Welcome to the podcast that showcases the rural town careers and opportunities you need to know about. Welcome to What's Your 9 to 5. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Hookstra. And I'm Brooklyn Dursum. And today, it's episode 10. Episode 10! We're at double digits, guys, and it's actually kind of crazy. Yeah, we're, not, we're no longer single digit people here, okay? <laughs> okay? We have two digits on us, so take it seriously. Today, we're talking to two police officers. Head, of, head Chief of Police, Chris Knoll from the Hanover Police. And Jason Cranny from the Owensan Police, guys. We did not just go to one station here. We're getting the full scoop from a bunch two. of different people here. Yeah, and uh, I've... I've always kind of, I've never gotten to sit down with a police officer and ask them just all kinds of questions I've been kind of curious about. And it's been nice to, it was nice to really sit down with them and get their point of view on things of how they came up and how they became a police officer. It's, it's really good stuff to know. Yeah, I get to sit down with one every night at dinner. <laughs> yeah, your dad is a police officer, Brooklyn. He is. He's with the OPP. He's very high, very fancy. <laughs> is, is that Was it ever stressful for you, like having him as a police officer? Um, no, because I know that he's doing good things and he's being yeah. safe. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm exci- It was really exciting, though, to be able to talk to different cops and everyone's opinions, because especially with uh covid things that just happened there was a lot of talk about the police a lot of controversy a lot of stuff so yeah. today we're going to be finding out what these police officers really think about that it's going to be a good one so uh let's not waste any more time let's get into it first up on this podcast we have chris noel Mr. Chris Knoll, how you doing, Chris? Good. How are you, Chris? I'm I'm doing great. I'm I like do- your name. Yeah. Oh, you have a great name as well. I gotta <laughs> Thank you. agree. So, um, tell everybody a little bit about uh, what you do. Uh, so yeah, so I'm a police officer here in the town of Hanover. I'm a chief of police with the Hanover Police Service. Um, you know what? I uh, really enjoy working with the community and uh, our, our officers. And honestly, I think it's one of those jobs where you have an opportunity to make a difference every single day. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Yeah, so, you know, when I was eight years old, um, I witnessed an impaired driver, and uh, that impaired driver hit um, some a cedar rail fence um, just down the road from my house, and I witnessed that, and and um, he went into a field, and he turned around, and he came back up the road towards me. I was on a bicycle, and I was able to get the license plate, and I remember running into the house, and I got the license plate, and I rode down. And I remember my mom called it in and, and the OPP showed up because I lived out in the country and the OPP showed up and, and he sat down and he, you know, knowing now he interviewed me and he got all the details and, and the description of the person and everything. And at the end of that conversation, he said to me, you know what, you should be a police officer someday. You'd make a good police officer someday. So to this day, I, I don't remember um, his name. But I remember his face and I remember the way he treated me. And I remember that interaction to this day. And, you know, I think that's what kind of, you know, sparked my interest in policing because I thought, wow, that's, that's really cool. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to be like him someday. So to this day, I don't know who he is, um, but I can remember his face and I remember that interaction. And that, I think, really sparked my interest in policing and, and, you know, from that kind of day forward, I had this vision in my mind that I wanted to be a police officer. And that passion kind of continued right even through high school. And, and I was fortunate enough to get a co-op uh, placement um, through high school. And, you know, through that placement, I got to meet uh, police officers in the field. And I got to work kind of alongside them and, and observe their work. And, you know, that, that kind of, you know, that just really intrigued me. And, and um, you know, and here I am today, right? Like I... You know, you know, I, when I went for my recruiting interview, um, the, the, the recruiter said to me, why do you want to be a police officer when I went to the OPP and got recruited? And I told him the story and he just sat there and listened to me. And I said, this isn't something I'm like, well, I saw a job ad and, yeah. and I thought I could do that because it looked easy. This was something I wanted to do for a long time. And, and, um, you know, it's all about, you know, finding your passion and, and working with people and, 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 you know, finding what you want to do. And, you know, I really think I found my calling and, and, um, if you get talking to police officers, um, and really others, teachers will say the same thing. Some will refer to it as a calling. 
and I honestly think that with myself, right? Like I really enjoy the work. Um, every day is different. There's all kinds of challenges, but there's all kinds of opportunities as well. And, and it's just, um, it's a really dynamic career and, and, you know, I would recommend it for anyone to really give it some serious thought. If you like working with people, you like a challenging, rewarding career, this is a great career to consider and we need good uh, people to make good police officers. Yeah, so. for sure. That's such a good story. That's yeah. Really you know what it is? You know what it is? Because uh, well, for one, it's hundred percent the truth. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I remember that interaction. I honestly yeah. remember that interaction and I try to press upon that with my officers you know every opportunity you have to engage with a member of the public they're going to remember that interaction yeah and you know i don't want to tell a talk any stories at a school here in case you know you've had police involvement but everyone can tell me their cop story yeah and and um what that interaction was like and how they were treated and regardless of what the outcome was if you had to get arrested or charged or whatever if they treated you fairly and with respect um, that's still going to be a fairly, fairly positive interaction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, what? it's like, yeah, I kind of did this, but you know, I got a ticket for this, but you know what? He was the, the officer, she was professional and she treated me with respect and she explained everything to me or he explained everything to me and sent me on my way. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, every opportunity we have to engage with the member of the public is just another opportunity for us to um, build good community relations and to make sure that you know you know there is respect um, for our profession mm -hmm. and we get that respect through the interactions with those that we serve yeah. so so like how did how did you get into the job so were you always that was your plan as a kid you know what honestly it was like yeah. chris if you if you said like what what did you want to do if you know if, if there was videos around when i was 10 years old i would have said i wanted to be a police officer yeah so so i always had this interest in policing always had this interest in working with people um with making things right yeah um you know i just really had this you know this passion for the work i think and 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 like i said working with people and trying to make things right and and trying to make the world a better place 100 mm -hmm, so how what schooling do you have for policing yeah so i went to community college back in the day i went to police foundations um as is my route that i took but you know what people come from every walk of life really for for policing right you know um we look at people with all different skill sets and things like that so so uh and a lot of people join policing as a second career so it's one of those things that um, there is no real clear path. We have people that come from the trades. Um, we have people that uh, come from university degrees and university backgrounds, college backgrounds, uh, all kinds of different backgrounds. And I think that's what makes our, our policing uh, uh, career interesting and diverse, yeah. right? Because people come with different skill sets. Um, you know, there's people that can speak different languages and things like that. So, so my route was um, community college. Uh, that was my route. Um, I ended up becoming an auxiliary police officer with the Hanover Police back mm -hmm. in the day. I started uh, in 1990 as an auxiliary officer. And then I was fortunate enough, uh, while I was in community college and just graduated, uh, Hanover Police sent me to, to the Ontario Police College as a recruit. Um, so I, I became a recruit constable with the Hanover Police, um, graduated there from the Ontario Police College, and then eventually um, found my way to the OPP. So I spent almost 18 years with the OPP, and then there was an opportunity for me to come back and, uh, and, and you know, work. It was almost like coming full circle. So yeah. an opportunity came up in, in 2010 uh, to join the Hanover Police again. Um, as their police inspector, so essentially um, a manager in charge of their operation and of their operations. So, so that's kind of my path that I took. Um, my background in policing is in general patrol, um, is in uh, uh, drug investigations and criminal investigations. Um, your your more significant uh, criminal cases and that I've had involvement with homicides, robberies, sexual assaults, things like that. Right, so. So uh, that was my path that I took, and um, then in 2015, I was appointed to the rank of uh, Chief of Police with the Hanover Police Service. So, so I was appointed, uh, um, like I said, in 2015, and I've been the Chief here uh, ever since. 
That's awesome. So the name of the podcast is what's your nine to five right. we ask everybody who comes here nice. exactly what they do on their daily basis so i know it's probably very different day to day for you so what but what is your average nine to five look right like? so honestly if i had to use one word to describe um my my role is planning so we do a lot of planning and um you know we, we plan i look at um you know I, I look after the planning of the purchases uh, of equipment um, to meet the needs of our officers and our community and our service. Um, I do all the grant writing, so there's an opportunity to write for uh, uh, federal or sorry, provincial grants. So I do all that work. Um, I also oversee the general operations of the police service. So from, you know, from um, frontline service delivery right through to the administration and the budgeting and all that. So, so you know, when I, when I talk about all those different things, you know, there's, you know, the management of the, uh, the budgets, um, preparing budgets, um, the training, uh, the scheduling of officers. Um, I deal with uh, internal complaints. If you were not happy with the service that we provided, we deal with that. Um, and, uh, you know, any, any type of um, uh, issues that come along that way. So, so, but like if I, if, I sit, if I had to sit down and describe what I do, it's really all about planning and making sure that, you know, this month is good, next month is good. Mm-hmm. But I'm also looking out, you know, what's, what's the middle of 21 look like, right? Yeah. Uh, what's the middle of, uh, you know, the end of 21 look like? You know, right now we're planning, obviously we're all living through this pandemic, right? So we're all, um, you know, taking steps to make sure that uh, our, our people are safe, our community is safe and things like that. So... So, uh, and, and that's one thing I like about the job is it is so diverse, right? Um, as, as a small town chief, I still get involved in, in frontline calls for service. So I also enjoy that piece too. Well, I'll, I'll get out on the street and I'll help um, do work, uh, do uh, calls for service. I'm, I'm, I would call an active chief of police where I assist officers with calls for service um, when I can and when the opportunity arises. So. So yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a diverse role. It's it's an interesting role, yeah. and then also I get to hang out with people like you, Chris, and yeah. Brooklyn. So so uh, you know it's about building relationships and meeting new people, and 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 uh, you know giving back to the community as as best we can in mm-hmm. in many different ways, right? So yeah. it's really all about you know making sure that our community is safe, um, that our community is healthy, that our community is secure. That's really what we're all yeah. about. So, so right there, you just mentioned COVID. So how has COVID changed your job and impacted like the Henry police? Yeah. So like, like everyone else, our, our interactions with people have changed, right? So, um, to some extent, you know, we don't, uh, we try to have, mo- we've tried to modify our work as best we can, uh, to protect, you know, obviously the community and our officers, you know, we're sitting here today all wearing, you know, masks, right? So, so, you know, th- those are some of the things that we've, uh, implemented, uh, we make sure that we go through, uh, you know, there's extensive um, cleaning of our station now, of our, of our cells, um, you know, all of our touch points, our cruisers. So there's that piece there. Um, and, then, and then some of the work hasn't changed because, you know, you can't maintain six feet distance when you have to take somebody into custody, right? Yeah. So, so, um, so some of that has, you know, remained the same. Uh, we just take as best precautions as we can uh, in the individual circumstances that they present, yeah. right? So, so uh, yeah, so that's that's some of the things. You know, our core processes have changed. Uh, we used to have, it's called bail hearings, where um, people used to have to go to court and have a bail hearing. Now those bail hearings are held over the telephone from our police station. Um, so the courts aren't uh, moving like they normally move. Um, like everyone else, we're participating in Zoom meetings all the time. Yeah. Um, we're trying to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, obviously, you know, our meetings that we wanted to have, that we need to have, um, we're doing them remotely and, and from distance, right? So again, it's just, uh, trying to do, take, uh, regular precautions according to public health, but still get the job done. So what would you say are some big misconceptions people around here have about 
your job and just hand up the Hanover police. Right. In yeah. General. And that's a good question there, Chris, because well, I just made a couple notes on that and reflecting on that when you, when we talked about this earlier and really, I think the biggest misconception is the fact that people think everything gets solved in one hour, yeah. just like it does on TV. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the core process is quick and, you know, things happen fast and, you know, we sit down and we figure out who is responsible for a series of crimes and we make this happen and, and get them into custody and have a trial like that, right? Yeah. And then you add in a few commercials and, and next thing you know, it's about <laughs> yeah. half an hour, we have everything solved and cleared, yeah. right? So so I think that's the biggest misconception. You know, we put a lot of work into, you know, uh, looking at uh, studying the patterns of crime and and you know you know linking these crimes together um, because we may not have enough evidence to prove one case but when you look at the cases uh, collectively uh, there's enough evidence there to um, identify a perpetrator and bring that person into custody so honestly I think that's the biggest misconception and and then the amount of paperwork right people don't understand People don't understand the amount of paperwork that we're putting into, you know, to each report and to each interaction. There's a lot of uh, work with our, uh, you know, you know, just building reports and building Crown briefs and discussions with the Crown. There's just a lot of work behind the scenes um, you don't necessarily see as a member of the public. But there's lots of things happening behind the scenes to make sure that everything uh, runs smoothly and, and comes together at the end of the day. Yeah, it's probably yeah. People probably don't realize probably how many steps are involved, like at the start, and then you know having somebody you know go to trial and all that. There's probably there's probably just so many steps that people don't realize you have to go through to get to that. Absolutely, point. yeah. So there's yeah. so many steps, and there's so much uh, work that we do behind the scenes, like even sending things away for expert analysis right that just doesn't happen in two minutes right there's there's uh you know there's a process and you have to handle the evidence carefully and thoughtfully and document how you handle it and then it has to be sent for potentially expert examination and then you know you wait you know months potentially for that evidence to come back and a report to be generated and and things like that right so so yeah there's to me there's uh that's the biggest probably misconception is that that um you know we we solve everything quickly and and you know how many times have probably everyone heard like you know what are the cops doing like what you know where are the cops when you need them right so so but uh you know what i can tell you that you know our people work very hard and um you know you're always working to you know obviously make the community a safer place and and uh and and do the right thing right so Mm -hmm. yeah so over the quarantine a lot of people were getting very passionate and had a lot of opinions about cops yes how do you feel about like the movements that everyone's saying oh we don't like the police defund Mm. the police and all that stuff yeah so i think i think some of those um some of those comments are maybe out of frustration and i think some people are jumping on um on that movement without putting a lot of thought into that so I don't like to uh, talk about defunding the police. Um, sometimes, you know, we, you know, they need to have the conversation about refunding police, right, and making sure because, you know, I always see the police as an investment in public safety. Um, that's the way I see it. I don't see us as an expense. I see it as an investment in public safety. And if you start looking at our budgets and, and things like that, about 85 to 90% of our budgets are um, salaries and benefits. So when you think about that, 85 cents to 90 cents out of every dollar is that we spend is to pay for officers and their salaries and their benefits. So when you talk about uh, defunding the police, you're really talking about reducing the number of police officers that you have. So, and um, I just don't know if that's, that's uh, a, g- a good thing. Um, the other thing I think that we need to do as a society is look at refunding other agencies um, you know, there's a lady that I know, and she works in a program through public health, and it's called the um, Healthy Babies Program, and, and I think that is an organization that should be really heavily funded, you know, because you're investing in young moms, you're investing in, in you know, like, you know, essentially babies uh, to make sure that, you know, those formative years uh, are addressed, and, and that maybe if they have enough help and support, and guidance, maybe that child who's, you know, three, four, five months old, 
maybe those first five years of that child's life would, uh, you know, potentially be different if they were, you know, if there was proper supports in place for that family and that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then that would set that person on a path not to have police involvement, right? And not to not to live an unhealthy lifestyle and, and things like that, right? So, so yeah, I think, you know, part of it is, you know, I, you know, just back to your question there, Brooklyn, about, you know, defunding the police. I think that's, you know, just not well thought out. And, and I think people really have to sit down and say, like, what would that look like if we defunded the police? Um, because if you call the police, you want the police. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like when you call the police and you need us, you don't want to hear uh, press one for this, press two for that, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get to you when we can get to you, right? Um, and unfortunately, that is happening a bit. You know, we're obviously, we always prioritize our our work and our investigations and, and that. And if it's not deemed to be an emergency, you may have to sit and wait, but mm-hmm. people don't want to sit and wait for a long time. Right. Yeah. So, so I think that's, that's part of it. And, and I think people really have to sit down and, you know, when, before they start making those comments, they have to really think about what that would look like if we defunded the police, if, you know, if we defunded the police and if we cut our, let's say we cut our budget in half with the police, mm-hmm. you cut your police service in half. And then if you cut your police service in half, um, where does all the other work go? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, we're, I think we're taking steps in the right direction now. Like I can tell you, we're just recently, we, um, we, um, launched a program with, uh, the mental health Canadian mental health association and, uh, the, that we have a person embedded in our police station right now. Um, and that person works alongside of our officers in response to crisis calls, uh, mental health crisis calls and things like that. And, um, you know, they help us with de-escalation. They help us, um, you know, guide that person in the right direction. If that person needs to go to the hospital, things like that. Right. So, yeah. so I think those are some of the good things that are maybe coming out of things like this is that, you know, maybe, you know, there is an opportunity for us to kind of rethink how we do our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and make sure that, uh, you know, like, again, like I've said before, is make sure that we have a healthy community, a safe community, a secure community. Maybe there's some opportunities for us to do it in a, a bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what do you love most about your job? Like what, what makes it worthwhile? Yes. You know? No, you know what, what I love about my job is I really like working with people. I like working with people. I like solving community problems. I like, um, I like the dynamics of the work. I like the team aspect. Um, I like the ability to, you know, we work outside. Um, we see people at their very, very worst, but we also see people at their very, very best. Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly find, like, I do have a passion for the work and, and I find it really super rewarding. Um, you know, there's nothing like, I'll tell you this, there's nothing like returning a lost child to mom and dad. Honestly, like something like that, you remember those moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also remember those moments where you have to go and tell a person where, um, they've lost a loved one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when you knock at the door at three o'clock in the morning and you take that, you got that big lump in your throat and then all once the outside light comes on and they see some scurrying in that house and, and you come to that front door and, and you have to tell them that, Hey, listen, you, you know, your son or daughter was tragically killed in, in an accident or, or whatever it is, or is right. So, so, but you know, I, I like, I like the variety of the work and, and I like meeting new people and the job is forever changing. It does not stay, nothing stands still, honestly, nothing stands still. And when you think about it, like the law continually moves. So, you know, what, how we handled the law even a month ago, may be a little bit different than how we handle it today because case laws move the law forward and we have to you know adapt to those changes and 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 figure out how we're going to continue to conduct business right so so and the other thing too is you know it's not all about solving crime right you know a good portion of our work is just helping people right is you know you know we deal with people that have mental health issues it's got nothing to do with a crime right um but they're potentially in some type of crisis and we have to you know try to can safely get them to the hospital right Mm -hmm. without anyone getting hurt and you know sometimes it's the simplest of things of just returning a bicycle to a kid you know what i mean like it's just 
you know, you know, we had one here this summer, the new family to Canada and, and, um, he was, a bike was donated to him and, um, we were able to, uh, find that bike and return it to him, right. Find the person responsible for it. So it's something that simple and our officers, you know, kind of forget because it's like, oh, you know, we got this and yeah, and they're quick, but you know what, that made an impact on that, that 10 year old, right? Like he's going to forever remember you know, that interaction with that police officer and, you know, that positive outcome where, hey, yeah, I remember, you know, it was 20 years ago, like, but yeah. I remember the police brought my bike back and, and uh, found the person responsible, right? So, yeah, exactly. so you know, I, that's what I think I really like about the work is just there's so much variety and, and you meet people from all walks of life. You know, you may have a conversation, you know, I may have a conversation tonight with a person who's homeless, right? Yeah and who needs to find shelter tonight and and you know we're going to take steps to find them emergency shelter and then the next call you go to is maybe a domestic where uh, maybe um a, a couple are not getting along and you know maybe um you know we do our investigation to determine that you know this person assaulted the other person so you know we do our investigation and take that person into custody right and make that person feel safe in that home and and the next call you're going to is a is a found bike. And the next call you're going to is a missing person. And the next call you're going to is, um, you know, potentially a death. Yeah. And you don't know what you're coming with. And then you, what you're getting it into. And then, you you know, you stop a car and it's like, oh, we got, you know, stolen license plates on the car. And it's just, I honestly enjoy the variety of the work. And it's very dynamic. And I always said it's interesting. And it's something you really have to have a passion for. And. That's one thing I'll recommend to you and your listeners is that find something that you really are passionate about um, because then it doesn't feel like work. It, yeah. It's honestly something you just really want to do. And if you find something that you're really passionate about, you, you know, you'll want to do your absolute best. Uh, you'll want to do go above and beyond. You want to give it your all, right? So so that would be my, my message to your listeners and, and to both of you too. Yeah. For sure. Well, that ties into what I was just going to ask you is what would you tell your 16-year-old self if you had anything that you go back and tell them? Yeah, so I think uh, what I would tell my 16-year-old self is is um, to enjoy uh, experiences and to um, really find new experiences and, and push yourself to do things you wouldn't normally do, right? Um, just to experience, uh, you know, something different. And if you push yourself outside of your li- where you think your comfort zone is or your limits, you may find that you really enjoy that, right? So, and, you know, don't get caught up in, in you know, trying to figure out what am I going to do? I think, you know, I would say to my 16-year-old self is figure out where my passion is and then figure out how I can use that passion to, um, to figure out like how I'm going to, you know, make a living and, and where my career choices are. Right. So, so yeah, my 16 year old self, I think I would, you know, really try to really hone in and find out where my passions are, find new experiences, you know, you know, soak those in, um, meet lots of people, learn from your mistakes, learn from the mistakes of others. Um, and, um, make sure, you know, obviously, you know, you know, preaching like a dad now, but get a good education. Don't close any doors too quickly. Yeah. Um, because you know, the world's a big place and, and, uh, you know, there's lots of interesting things to uh, see and do. Right. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, so I know the whole job of the Hanover police, Hanover police, you were saying is, you know, trying to keep the community safe yes. and also invest back into the community. But, um, I know you guys, you also are only so many people and it's, right. there's, it's a big community. So how can youth get involved to kind of help their communities be safer? Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's a good question, Chris. And you know what? I don't even think it's just youth. I think it's just people, right? Yeah. So, you know, be a good citizen. And, and you know what I, I say? So we have a just a little over 8,000 residents here in town now. And I say, you know what? Everyone has a set of eyes and everyone has a set of ears. And, you know, call us. And, and when you see something, call the police. Report something, right? Because, you know, if we are only a group of, you know, 14 people, but, you know, our community becomes a lot safer if your community is super engaged and, and you know, hones in on, you know, that's that's suspicious. You know, maybe I should call that in, right? And you're seeing something. Instead of just letting it go, 
um, call it in, right? And then let the police come and respond. And we may not be able to respond right then and there, but maybe later on that night, that piece of information becomes important. Or the next day when we had some break-ins in that particular neighborhood, you know, that piece of information, you know, becomes important. So, so, you know, I, I would say, say to everyone, you know, honestly, like work to be your best citizen you can be and, and don't be afraid to get involved. Um, if you see something that's not right, let us know, let us know, because you know, like I tell everyone, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, when we have an, an engaged community, um, it really makes, it really makes our community a lot safer if everyone does their part and, and everyone makes sure that, you know, um, like when you see something, you're reporting it. You get that information to the police and and you know we're able to respond and and tr try to deal with it right so so yeah so it goes really not only to the youth but to everyone right so and i guess the other thing is is your actions right like look at your actions and how is that going to impact others yeah. so if your actions are going to negatively impact others then maybe don't do that action yeah. right mm -hmm. and we deal with lots of people that you know they'd like to take things back um, but sometimes you can't, right? So if you do something, you got to think things through and, and make sure that you are doing the right thing and, and, you know, working towards a better place. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. This has been a really good interview. I yes. like this interview. Thank you so much well, for coming good. in, yes. Chris. I re we Perfect. really appreciate it. I think a lot of kids can get a lot out of this. And I think it's, um, during like everything, when everything happened back during the COVID, you know, with, um, all the marches going on in the States and, the uh, kind of the, the big, um, kind of resistance against police right. if you can say that yeah. well, not to that extent but um I, but i it kind of made me think like and i try to put myself in like in a cop's shoes of just the daily stress you guys must have to go through of right you know you don't know what's going to happen you might pull somebody over and them to drive in funny and you don't know right. what kind of state of mind they're in and the stress of like you know i could walk up and he might just pull out you know yeah you don't anything. know anything yeah so i think a lot of people need to kind of put you know the, you're just people and you have families to that's go back right. to that's right and you're just doing your job you know trying to absolutely yeah, yeah. and you know what the, yeah then that goes both ways too like i think the other thing i think that police officers have learned is that we have to make sure that we see th things through the lenses of others as well right yeah. so um and you know how does our impacts and our behavior impact others right so but at the end of the day i'll tell you this is we're quite happy if we have to take someone into custody we're honestly quite happy to take them into custody without incident yeah. we honestly are so yeah. so we don't want anyone getting hurt including ourselves um or, or anything else and, and i always say to people that you know what the time to argue this is not here on the side of the road not here on the street corner it's you know there's a process it's called court if you feel that um you haven't been you've been treated wrongly uh there's a there's a civil process to take um to make sure that um you know things are made right right if you th if you think that you've been mistreated or or whatever you know go through a civil process to make sure that that happens and that you know it doesn't it doesn't happen again right yeah. so so don't don't argue that out in uh, on the side of the road and and uh you know some of the things that you know that's come out of this black lives matter movement is is um is just you know an opportunity for us to really build relationships you know because yeah you know there's uh you know obviously you know we're an inclusive society our country is inclusive um and and you know we need to build stronger relationships with everyone yeah if people yeah. feel you know that they're being mistreated then we have to sit down and listen and we have to determine you know why they're feeling that way and you know if there's basis to it obviously we want to make sure that that doesn't happen again because mm -hmm. we represent everybody um and we look out for the better good of everyone is what we do so so uh so yeah those are just some of my thoughts on that and 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 i think it's um there's there is a difference between you know u.s policing and canadian policing yeah, yeah. you know sometimes you know they talk about the warrior model and kind of an us versus them model um and you know canadian police like to refer to ourselves as the guardian model where we work together we work with our community to solve the community problems because it's not if there's a community issue it's not a policing problem it's a community problem yeah. is what it is right so for example drug addiction 
it's not a policing problem. It's a community problem. And there's different ways to tackle that problem. It's just not through enforcement. If you just tackle it through enforcement, you're not going to win. Right. Because there's, you know, the public health component, there's the education component, you know, there's the enforcement component. Um, There's all these different avenues that you have to attack that those, those problems at. Right. So, so, and yeah, so it's, you know, we talk about, you know, people say, oh, it's police got to do this. I'm like, well, the community has to do this, right? Yeah. We're just one spoke in the wheel. Yeah. Right. And 100%. everyone has to do their part to make sure it's a better spot, better place. Right. 100%. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, Chris. Perfect. We really appreciate the time. Well, that's great. And uh, thanks for everything you guys do. And Excellent. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that, Chris. And yeah. Uh, yeah, in Brooklyn. And, and um, I appreciate the invite. And uh, anytime. Look forward anytime. to sitting down and doing another podcast yeah for sure that'd be great we'd love to have you back on on. perfect chris no ladies and gentlemen welcome to the pilot podcast my name is bj and my name is me too and we promise this promo is worth it so please don't skip ahead we're two judgy friends who put our judgmental skills to work for you we review the pilot episodes of new and popular shows and shows that our listeners request to answer your question should i watch this Look, a lot of us are spending a lot more time at home, and yes, we should be reading and trying new projects and enriching ourselves, but does anything beat binging a great show? Let us take the guesswork out of deciding what your next show will be. Tune in to The Pilot Podcast at thepilotpodcast.com. Hey everybody, today we have a police officer, guys. Are you so excited? I know you are. Let's get into this. Jason, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? We're doing good. That's awesome. Thanks for having me up today. Yeah, no problem. So I'll tell everybody a little bit about uh, what you do. So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my name is Jason Cranny, and I'm the community service officer for the Owen Sound uh, Police Service. Um, And uh, within that role, um, I do a whole myriad of different things. Uh, Mostly I do, uh, well, pretty much, I think the community service thing kind of answers itself. But for those who might not know that, I I work uh, a lot with the schools. Um, predominantly with youth, uh, seniors, uh, people with uh, some disabilities. I do a lot of the uh, social media. Um, kind of, um, some people might say, I actually, in, in my line of work, I actually get to do a lot of the fun stuff. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I get to do a lot more of the positive stuff, uh, which is which is really actually a pretty cool gig. Uh, saying that, you'd certainly come across some uh, some difficult situations which you have to navigate. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I get to engage with a lot of cool people and uh, do great things like this. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you like first get into this job? So that's actually a funny question because I'm sure um, if you talk to uh, other poli- people who are actually uh, into the policing field, um, they might have uh, you know a long story uh, when they were younger, um, how they had a passion for policing and how they wanted to uh, to get into the role and uh, put on the uniform. Um, mm-hmm. And that really isn't my story. I actually. Um, probably got into it uh, the exact opposite so um community engagement is kind of where my background is and okay. uh, for those people who may know me and certainly um uh you know in sound uh, i've certainly worked with a lot of different community organizations but i've done a lot of work down in uh, hanover walkton area as well oh nice um did a lot of work with john diefenbaker secondary school uh sacred heart um and with walkerton district secondary school so um given that this is COVID 19 and the pandemic um i should let uh, you know that i actually worked 12 years at public health so oh, wow. yeah, so this is uh, this is something that I certainly have a big shout out to uh, to all my friends working in public health and all yeah. the extra hours that they're putting in. So mm-hmm. I certainly uh, can feel from it this time. But yeah, my my background is actually in recreation, mm. um, and community engagement is something that I've always done. I've always been uh, really uh, interested in, um, yeah. and I think uh, my career, whether it be working at Georgian College, public health, community living, the city of Owen Sound, has all kind of funneled and navigated uh, me towards this type of role doing this. So it's really not much different than some of the other stuff I've done. It just has an enforcement slant. Yeah. Um, but the whole in- community engagement thing really lines uh, certainly really well with me. Um, and so I probably came at this role probably different than most people do. Um, yeah. But uh, saying that, I also, I think I have a bit of a, a different lens um, on, on doing this role, which I, I hope uh, is is really good and really positive. Yeah. What kind of things do you do? Like, what's your nine to five? What's your daily? What's routine? my nine to five? So, um, my, of course, as as like many people, my nine to five kind of uh, switched very drastically uh, in March. But for the most part, um, uh, I still work with uh, 
so within my role, I would do, I do on my work as in the city of Owen Sound now, um, and I work with uh, all the different schools, private and public schools. Um, and so we do emergency lockdown procedures in all the schools. Um, normally, if this wasn't COVID, we'd be doing hands-on um, CAA bus patrol programming um, with uh, grade six and seven students in the schools. Uh, do a lot of internet safety, uh, social media safety with our grade seven and eights. Uh, we do a full um, eight-week program with grade sixes called the Kids Program, uh, where it's a full program understanding about like bullying and drugs and alcohol use and really making good choices and uh, trying to keep people kind of um, uh, out of uh, out of the arms of the law, if you will. Um, my nine to five would also be working with seniors, uh, working uh, a lot, uh, passing along information, educating the general public on, you know, um, uh, elder abuse. You know, something like that. Internet safety is a lot. Uh, frauds, common frauds and scams um, that you have to get out there. And, of course, uh, doing a lot of um, stuff by Zoom um, right now, which is certainly different. But I think I'm, a, I'm an optimist, and I think that, uh, you know, um, moving forward, I think that we're going to get a handle on this COVID, and we're going to be back to doing a lot of the things that we normally would yeah. do, which for me would also include a lot of special event stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, so... Going back to like when you decide, like, so uh, when did you like decide, okay, I'm going to, I want to like go in to become a police officer because you did all those other things before. So when was, you know, why did when you this, this specific position came up? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, this was a position that actually came up uh, in the city of Owen Sound, which I felt aligned a lot with my, uh, my past experience, my personality, um, I guess some of my, some of my community connections. And I felt that, um, I felt that I, I certainly should throw my name in that in, in the ring because I felt I would be, you know, as good a candidate um, just because there's a lot of things that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, yeah. And working with uh, teens and youth are probably at the top of that list. Um, and I think that um, having a good positive engagement with that age group really can uh, make long lasting, uh, um, you know, an impression uh, moving forward. Um, and I think that uh, for me, I was really, uh, I was really happy that I had the opportunity um, to, to be offered the position, and then to certainly uh, move 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 along with it. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, what are some common misconceptions about your job? Like you can go policing, or even since you did public health as well. So, um, I guess some of the misconceptions uh, about the job is that when you know police officers are certainly out in the community that uh, we're always looking to um, to catch quote unquote the bad guy and that really you know i mean you're always you always have to have your uh, you know your eyes uh, and, and ears to the ground if you will but uh, in a position with mine as an example um, i think it's often uh, really important and imperative that we also look for things that people are doing right and what people are doing well um, and giving people pats on the back when there's opportunities, um, kind of giving people a hand up um, when we can. Understanding that uh, there's people who will take advantage of that, um, so you have to be pretty mindful. But uh, there's some people who are kind of a bit hard on their luck, so we have to uh, we have to be a little bit more open-minded. Um, and I think just that communication and engagement, uh, especially with my role, I have the opportunity to do that a lot. Um, and to kind of maybe break down um, some stereotypes uh, with police officers. Although I will say, certainly in the Great Bruce area, um, lots of amazing experience with yeah. people um, in this area for sure. And I think that's just a testament to the uh, really good police service um, that we actually have around here, whether it's uh, Hanover, West Gray, OPP, Sogging Shores, um, Owen Sound. Um, uh, it, I think uh, regardless, I think it's yeah. just uh, there's, there's there's a lot of uh, good services around. Yeah, 100%. So what would you say are some moments you can kind of think of that have happened during your job that make it worthwhile, that make you say, hey, I, like, I love what I do? Um, for me, it's uh, when I... And again, with my specific job, um, getting to work with the community on a regular basis, um, I did a I did a program with the it's called the Reach program, and it's uh, individuals with special needs. So I I mean it was a it was a program on street safety, yeah. um, and to get the feedback uh, from that group was amazing. Um, you, you sometimes feel like you like they kind of put you on a pedestal that maybe you shouldn't be on. Um, because uh, some of their experiences are a lot certainly a tougher than mine, um, but they really do appreciate uh, you coming and uh, interacting and, and, and helping them out. Um, and it's it just it really just uh, warms your heart. It makes you feel good. 
Um, and I would say when I get to go into the schools and, and I can see kids who come up and they generally want to say hi or they have questions um, or uh, they really like to connect uh, and they get to realize that, you know, when I'm in a classroom, I like to have fun. Um, so yeah. uh, we sometimes do, uh, you know, a lot of yelling and cheering and, and singing yeah. and uh, and just uh, trying to get the message across, uh, a serious message across in a way that uh, young people can certainly enjoy um, in a way that they can connect with. So I th- when I get to go in and I get to see uh, young people, um, you know, people out there who uh, may be having their own uh, personal struggles and you can feel that you can help them in some capacity, I think mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, and like, is that m- must be a kind of a big part of your job is to kind of go into the schools and some kids might think, oh, like, they, they kind of almost like the second a police officer walks in the school, they might be a bit on edge or they'd be like, Oh, what's going on? Like who's in trouble, but it must be like a big part of your job to go out there and make connections Absolutely. with youth. Absolutely. And sometimes, yeah. you know, like pre COVID, um, and I'm, I'm thinking that uh, we'll get back to that uh, again. It's uh, being able to go into the school or walking out a playground or, um, and it doesn't even have to be youth. Like, um, you know, I did, uh, I did presentations at a couple of the nursing homes and being able to see um, some of our amazing seniors uh, saying hi to them, sitting down, listening to their stories, yeah. um, you know, and then getting some some uh, some feedback from them and just kind of tapping into their knowledge uh, is really, really cool. It's, for me, it's just taking the time to, to listen to people because everybody has a story to tell. Yeah. I mean, I'm com- extremely busy. Everybody in this field is extremely busy. But if we can, you know, spare, you know, a minute, two, three, four minutes uh, every once in a while, just to listen, I think it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So it certainly makes me feel good. Hopefully it makes the yeah, general public feel good as well. So that was talking about all the great things. Mm-hmm. Now what are the some, uh, eh, some challenges, some kind of bad things? Uh, some of the bad things, I guess, is that, you know, when you, sometimes when I get called in uh, to some of the schools, uh, usually uh, sometimes the administration will call me in because they're having some difficulties with, uh, you know, with, you know, with students. Um, as an example, um, and that can be a little bit tricky. Um, but I think it's all in, in how you uh, interact um, and, and talk to somebody and, and understand that some people might be coming um, you know, from a, from a different vantage point and also having a bit of a, an understanding and appreciation that um, just because someone's uh, angry or is lashed out or is getting themselves in trouble, there, there's, there might be another underlying uh, issue there. So making sure whether it's, you know, my role or any uh, officer's role that uh, we do our job to, you know, to ask some questions and to ascertain as much information as we can so that we don't just make that uh, um that assumption that uh, just because someone has done something wrong that they are necessarily uh, the person bad. So, you know, when you ever have, you know, sometimes you're going up to a call that's going to be, um, you know, uh, maybe not the best call. Uh, well, you might have to sit down and you have to, might have to do some some discussions with somebody that might not be uh, the best discussions. But, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the nature of the job and, and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how can youth get more involved in um, making their community safer? I think having a voice, having a positive voice and asking really good questions. What you guys are doing here is is exactly what I, I think that uh, more young people should do. Um, instead of making assumptions, um, go right to the source. Like, uh, you know, like you guys are lucky, um, uh, you know, uh, here is, is, is an awesome opportunity Um you know, and you have the equipment and you guys can do something like this and run something like this. But something as simple as, you know, uh, if you see an officer in the school, like ask questions, you know, if you, if you need a hand, um, reach out uh, and, and get, get that help. I know in Own Sound, we have the opportunity. So I hired some summer students uh, in the summer. Um, so for anybody who is really interested in working uh, in the field of corrections or policing or even community engagement, um, it's a great opportunity to kind of, um, you know, get out there in the community and learn about policing kind of firsthand. Uh, and I'm not sure, uh, quite frankly, off the top of my head, I'm not sure if that is the same opportunity down in West Gray and Hanover or not. It might be. Um, certainly something that I know you had uh, Chief Noel on last week. Yeah. Um, yep. It might be a great opportunity to connect with him because maybe they do have such a program. And if they do, I'd highly recommend you kind of get involved in that. Yeah. Um, and then if there's anything that's really um, pertinent or uh, kind of any kind of burning information that's, that, that's, uh, that's happening in your community that you think that as a young person that you want to make a positive, um, you want to make a positive impression or you want to, you know, change things for the better, um, I think uh, you should do that. I know that um, working in public health, Launchpad is not new to me. Um, I came to the grand opening. Um, I've been, yeah, I've been, uh, I, I've been in this building uh, quite a few times. And I do know that um, uh, even the Youth Roots uh, Youth Organization down here, the coalition that started 
I, I don't even know how long, but I'm going to say back to 2005, 2006. Um, it started because of what was considered a serious drug issue uh, yeah. down here. I'm sure you guys may have been aware of that. Um, but that's how this kind of all started percolating way back when. Um, and so many of the community uh, partners came together as well as young people. And I think young people had a had a huge role. Um, and Hanover at John D. from Baker Secondary School, there's a pilot project there called the Box Project. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you've yeah. heard about that. Yeah, so um, I was also part of the Box Project as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. and Beth Fisher was one of the teachers who led that uh, initiative with a whole bunch of other people, uh, community partners um, and people in the school at that particular time. And it was a fantastic project and, and youth led it. I mean, yeah. youth were the driving force. Um, they wanted to see positive change. Um, they uh, worked with the community, and uh, it was a really amazing pilot that was run in that school, and it was really emulated across uh, Gray Bruce and a lot of the other high schools. So um, youth should have a role. They should have a voice, um, and they can certainly make a difference, specifically uh, in law enforcement and corrections, anything like that. So I highly recommend young people, if they're interested, um, to connect with their local uh, police service and see what they can do. So what is, I'm sorry, I have no idea what the Box Project mm-hmm. is. So the Box Project was run, and I actually don't know, I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but it, I'm going to say it was probably back maybe 2010. Um, so it might be going back 10 years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago. I can't really say, but um, what it was is that uh, young people, um, there was, if they were struggling with uh, mental health or addictions, uh, they're struggling with their tobacco use. Uh, they're looking for work. Um, they might have had some other issues with inside the school. Um, school um, faculty, um, they, were, they were struggling because they can't answer all these questions. So instead of handing out bis- basically business cards and saying, hey, you should go talk to your community service officer, you should go talk to your public health nurse, you should go talk to an addictions counselor, you should go talk to this person, the reality was students would get that information, but then they might not want to do that. So they buy the school basically opened up the doors and they had a place where the community partners came into the school and they had a calendar and they were there regularly. So this, because school is a safe place for a lot of students, even students who say they don't like going to school, they often show up to school because it, it's a safe environment. It's got structure, it's got clear limits, it's got rules. Yeah. Even if you don't like them, there's certainly safety there. Yeah. And so students knew that they could go there and feel safe and they could get the information that they needed. Uh, and police were a big part of that as well. Um, and so um, that's what the Box Project was. It was basically bringing the community inside the school. And and uh, again, at that particular time, um, Hanover Police were a huge part of that initiative. Yeah. That's really good that I, they did that. Yeah, I knew. I heard of the Box. I, I was at, like my last year of high school was five years ago. So, and I knew it was kind of a thing back yeah. then. So, but I don't know, Brooklyn, you're in high school now. So, I'd, like maybe there just haven't been promoting it that much or something but um i do know that uh, like a lot uh, chesley high school because i know you've got some listeners out there who who go to chesley yeah they had another uh, initiative very similar to the box project everybody had something different owen sound both owen sound schools had it as well mm, okay uh yeah so it was certainly something that uh that spread through it a lot of the uh the lot of the schools yeah for sure okay so yeah. this is now we were just talking about how you should go right to the source and sure. talk to the people well it's not exactly right to the source here but you being in the police force over the march break over the COVID area mm-hmm. everyone was big the big talk was black lives matter sure. and defunding the police yes. how do you feel about the defunding the police movement the defund the police movement um confuses me a little bit um just because um as call volume continues to increase Um, What it basically says is that there are a lot of people um, that are disenfranchised or that are struggling with issues um, and they need help and assistance. And some of that is some of that is of a violent nature. um, And that's sometimes there's no fault of their own. Um, But uh, I can only speak for our service. And I'm sure as well as Hanover uh, and um, and Sogging Shores and uh, West Gray and the OPP is that I mean, we're going call to call. and there's no just sitting around uh, going for coffee and donuts like that. Yeah. <laughs> that is so yeah. so yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I was I'm not really sure of the defunding. Um, can there be more education in policing? Absolutely. Can there be increased partnerships? For sure, hundred um, percent. Can we have stronger bonds with our community? I agree 100%. If that's the message, I'm all for it. 
if it's stripping down police to the bare bones and then allowing um, people to kind of run rampant on the streets, and I'm not saying that's that's it, but if that's the case, I'm a little bit confused on 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 how that accomplishes anything. Saying that, I think uh, you know, in 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 places we have to continue to evolve, um, and I think that uh, you know, if there's better ways to to deal with situations, uh, we should be open minded to to learning from them. Um, no police officer goes uh, uh, into this field, or certainly they certainly didn't 10, 15, 20 years ago, thinking they're also going to be doing social work. Uh, and a lot of times you have to, um, because at 2 in the morning, at 11.30 at night, at 6 in the morning, um, if there's no other option, people call police. So unless there's another option, I don't see how you can defund something because people are calling because they need the help. They need the support. And in some cases, it's a dangerous situation that police have to attend. In other cases, it might be that there's a missing person. And there's, you know what, it's a 24-7 job. Um, and we're, and we're, always, we're always working. And so we're always there. And hopefully people call because they also know that um, it's a safe call to make. And that's essentially what it is. It's a great question. Um, but I think certainly with Black Lives Matter, it had a lot to do with um, race issues and discrimination. Um, and all of that is is 100% complete. Uh, uh, no, in my book, I think that, um, you know, anybody who's racist, uh, I have no time for you. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're a police officer, if you work at a grocery store, if you're a doctor, if you're pumping gas, that has, I got no time for that. Um, and I think that um, it's a microcosm of society that uh, we have to continue to educate each other to be better people, regardless of, you know, faith, race, color, um, you know, sexuality, um, gender, all of those things, uh, you know, really it's, it's about the person deep down inside. And so policing as a whole, if we can be better and uh, we can hire better people, great. I know I work with amazing people. Um, so I can feel very confident in saying that it's a great service. and I work with great people and I can safely say I think there's a lot of great you know police officers you know in, in the Grey Bruce area but in the United States they have some issues and in Canada we have some issues um, and nobody hates uh, a bad cop as, uh, like a good cop because you know nobody likes to have their reputation soiled by somebody who does something idiotic and stupid so the Black Lives Matter movement uh, is powerful, um, good for them, um, for, for standing up for their rights, specifically if they feel that, uh, um, that they're being marginalized. And certainly in a lot, a, lot of space, a lot of places, that certainly is the case. So um, education is, uh, is, a, is a good thing. Um, and, uh, and I hope that uh, police continue to grow and evolve and, uh, you know, learn from, uh, you know, and really, and stuff like that, stuff like that comes from young people, right? Yeah. Um, I just this question just kind of popped in my head. I know police officers go through a lot of a lot of stressful situations. It's always kind of it, a lot of situations to be very high high stress. You don't know what you're walking into kind of situations. So with that said, does it ever does like mental health ever really start to hamper a lot of police officers that like because I know a lot of people maybe not they might not um put themselves put themselves in the police officer's shoes of how stressful their job can be so like how often do you have to go through situations where a police officer is having some tough times with mental health so with officers themselves and I think that sometimes um the misconception is that when you call an officer they're, they're gonna I mean no one really calls 911 for anything good yeah. you know and usually a police officer doesn't go to a call because it's of a good nature that goes back to when we first started. I'm the lucky one. I get to go to a lot of the good stuff, and I'm very fortunate. Um, and a lot of officers like to take part in the good stuff when the opportunity presents itself because it's good for their mental health. Yeah. Um, but again, when you go back to uh, defunding the police or do police make all of the right calls? No, they don't. Uh, police are human. And go, like uh, to go back to your point about under stress, you know, mental health, when you get called to a call that's of serious nature, uh, and there's someone who um, may be struggling with addictions, uh, maybe struggling with a mental health episode, and they're not in their right frame of mind, if you will. Um, and they might be doing and saying things that they might not otherwise do um, if they're feeling, if they're having a good day. Uh, and then an officer has to come and they have to deal with that situation and try to de-escalate the situation. I mean, every officer wants to de-escalate the situation. We, nobody wants to heighten it. Um, it solves no purpose in heightening anything. And it solves no purpose in getting in any kind of physical engagement if you don't have to. Um, so I think a lot of officers, there's, a, I mean, I would say that there's officers who maybe been around for a while and some of their, um, you know, you, you have to kind of suck it up mentality. Um, and um, 
maybe they're not wrong because that's how they came through the system. But you have to take care of your mental health. You've got to talk about it. Um, I know in our service, uh, as an example, we have check-ins all the time. So every officer, um, even our civilians, have to check in all the time with a counselor. We sit down, have a little bit of a, an hour session. Um, I believe it's once every... I, you know what? I don't even quote me on that because I'm not sure exactly, but we have to do it regularly throughout the year. Um, and even if we're feeling great, like, I mean, I, I, have, I have a lot of really good days because I get to work with a lot of amazing people yeah. and do great things like this. I still check in um, because it's good and it's healthy. And really, you want officers out on the front line who are in those serious situations, high stress situations with as clear a head as they possibly can have. Um, and uh, it's a good question, but oftentimes, you know, we think about everybody else's mental health when they're out in the community, but yeah. uh, I really appreciate you asking the question about, uh, you know, an officer's mental health because it's uh, certainly important and very paramount as well. Um, so we asked this question to everybody who comes on the show. Yeah. If you could go back in time and yeah. talk to your 16-year-old Great self, question. what would yeah. you say? My 16-year-old self. So knowing what I know now, um, I would, if I told my 16-year-old self, I would say get involved. Mm-hmm. Really get involved because, um, and I'm not sure how old you guys are, but going through at your age, and you're definitely younger than me, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I would say that the more you're involved, um, the more you learn um, and the more you educate yourself on what's happening in your community and your surroundings, yeah. more doors open for you. And you'll have a better understanding of what you maybe want to do later on in life. Um, again, going back to the original question, you know, maybe not the original question, but one of the questions was, you know, how did I end up in this role? Well, I did get involved um, and I want to, I wish I had even got more involved than I did, but with the involvement that I did, it opened up a lot of doors that kept opening up more doors and more doors and more doors and lots of opportunities presented themselves to the point where I landed this job, which yeah. I absolutely love. Uh, I, I enjoy it immensely. Uh, it aligns well with my personality. Um, and I think it's just, you know, keeping your eyes open and hang out with your friends when you're 16 um, and do all the really cool, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't do anything that's going to jeopardize your future yeah. and really stay away from getting in trouble with the law because yeah. that's one of those things <laughs> that could jeopardize your future and it's really not worth it. Yeah. Big no-no. Big, Big no-no. no-no, yeah. You mentioned a couple different jobs you've been in that have been sort of, maybe not drastic, but very much different. Mm-hmm. Why the sort of bigger changes? Um, sometimes they've just actually presented themselves. Um, what I found with all of the jobs is they very closely align with community engagement and having the opportunity to work with youth and teens. Because I think it's a really valuable population that we should be working with. And I don't think that we actually... Launchpad is an amazing space here. And we don't have enough launch pads in our communities. No, no. We don't have enough opportunities for people like you to do stuff like this. Because oftentimes it's people like me who interview you because you've done something good or you've raised money for some type of charity. And really, it should be the other way around. What what they're doing, what is happening in Hanover yeah. should be emulated in other communities, quite frankly, is that you have a spot where young people can learn skills and trades and the arts and they can do stuff like this. They can ask questions. They can bring in people so you guys can find out and you can project what's your nine to five. Yeah. Um, and it also allows adults and young people to intermingle, commingle, if you will, even more so without COVID. Uh, intergenerational work is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, I think that uh, what certainly what's been going on here um, should be emulated uh, elsewhere. Awesome. Well, I think that's all the questions Hold we on. got. Hold on. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Oh, okay. Oh this, is, this is the first. Why did you guys get involved in doing something like this? Ooh, well, I was actually... Um, before this September, I was living in London for about three years, okay. working down there. Um, I, I'm originally from here, yep. but around, I went there for college. Yeah, I was in a band for three years. Still, am in a band from down in London, and um, I was gonna move back up here for the year. And then I saw I saw an ad on just Indeed for a student podcast coordinator, and I'm like, I just kind of threw my name out there because I went to uh, Fanshawe for music industry arts. Which is no no one had to like run run all the mics, the gear, yeah. audio, and all that. So um, so I walked in. They uh, I got an interview, and uh, luckily they hired me. And um, <laughs> I yeah, I'm I'm blessed to do this job. Like yeah. I love going to work every day and just working on this. It's it's uh no, it's been amazing. Cool. Well, I wanted to do a co-op, and they were like, 
what do you want to do? I'm like, I have no idea. I, I like to talk to people. I like to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe maybe you should go here. And then I got got the offer here. So I was here. I did a bunch of the marketing, yep. the planning, the a lot of like the I don't know exactly what the word is. Yeah. A lot of work basically. Yeah. And then I've just gotten to do a lot more except more exciting yeah. cool things. And it was exciting for me because I got to actually come back and because I always knew there was so much there's so much like hidden talent in this area yep. and so many people who have so many cool jobs that nobody knows about. So it was it was really exciting for me to come back and kind of highlight all the awesome people and things going on yep. in this area. So like it's been an honor for me to, to work here. So it's been really really cool well i'm not sure how many adults listen to your podcast but if i could if there's adults out there i really want them to realize that how they interact with young people uh, and the positive interactions they uh, have with young people um, allows young people to think twice and hopefully think that they might want to come back here yeah um, specifically to this area in gray Bruce, whether it's Hanover specific or back to this area if young people have something they've left behind and it might be a really good feeling you know yeah. it might be, there might be family which will bring them back but if it's a really good feeling, a really good experience, then as I think as an adult, you've done your job. So because we want to see people like yourself um, come back to this area. I came back to this area after going to school um, for that very reason, because uh, something was pulling me back this way. So adults uh, definitely have a role to play um, in engaging, uh, interacting with our with our young people, and uh, hopefully they do it in a positive way. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for no, coming in, Jason. Thanks for having we me. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, sometime we can have you back in. Absolutely. At some point to talk about some new stuff going on, whatever happens. That's great. Whoever, whoever knows what's going on with COVID in a year or something. <laughs> That's right. That's Who right. Knows? But uh, thank you again for coming in. Really no problem. All it. the best to your show. Take care. Take care. Guys, I that was such a good interview. Yeah, that, that was definitely one of my favorites for sure. I really like to hear about real cops' opinions on ACAB and Black Lives Matter because those were really big issues during this quarantine, and yeah. it's really awesome to hear legitimate responses to that. I was really glad I got to ask him about, you know, the mental health of different police officers and all that because I was always curious because I'm like, that, like, I couldn't imagine myself doing that job. And I'm like, the stress I would be under if I were to do that job with, like, the, so many, you know, unknowns about it, it, it'd be a big stress. So I'm glad they do get, you know, they get help, you know, from time to time. Um, that's really nice to know that they have somebody to talk to all the time, so... It's really nice to know that there are people out there doing stuff for us. Yes. That just in itself is yes. really awesome. Yeah, we got to thank them, you know. They're all just trying to do their, their best job, you know, because they care about this community and they wouldn't do the job if they didn't, so. Thank you, all police officers, not just Chris Nolan and Jason, even though all they were awesome, but everybody. All of them. Even Brooklyn. Thank you, Brooklyn's dad. Let's go, Brooklyn's <laughs> dad. Mr. Dursum, thank you. So... <laughs> But thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm, I really hope you enjoyed it because I know we both really did. So um, you can check us out on Spotify, of course, or uh, Apple Podcasts. And you got to remember to stay hydrated and chase your dreams. You guys have a good one. Bye, everybody.